0: And three, two, one.
1: the day. World War II Navy diver, Mel Fisher, had just returned from World War II to his family in California. He's recently married and absolutely loves what he does. He opens up a diver shop in California and he begins to do what he loves. He eventually starts helping people become licensed divers, reaching 6,500 divers in a short period of time, which is an incredible feat. He was on a national TV show talking about diving and heavily promotes and pushes the sport of recreational diving in the U.S. After some time, though, he hears about this shipwreck, this unfound, this undiscovered treasure ship that had eluded people for over 300 years. Now, he'd done a couple shipwreck uh, tours in California, and they were fun and all, um, but nothing like this. He heard about this convoy of 20 Spanish galleons that were set out from Havana, Cuba, and the day of their departure, a massive hurricane sweeps the fleet. Eight of these ships are struck and sunk, with only five survivors between the eight of them. This ship would be infamous as the largest treasure ship ever to go down and to avoid detection. Now, Mel Fisher hears this gets excited, and does the unthinkable. He picks up his young family and few kids and moves to Florida. He grabs several friends, some of his diving buddies, and his family, and creates this adventure. Today's the day, he would say, we're going to find the ship, the Senora de Atosha, the largest treasure ship to ever sink in the Caribbean. So he starts looking. And for a little while, they're looking. They're looking. And if you've ever been on the coast of Florida, there's a lot of sand. There's a lot of salt. There's a lot of nothing for miles and miles. And after a while, he finds a few things. He finds a coin here, finds a ring here, finds a few other things, but nothing like what he was hoping for. After two years, he thinks there's something wrong here. We're missing something. He hires a private investigator to look up some of the records and He hears back a little bit later, and he gets the worst news. They're in the wrong spot. They've just spent the last two years driving, boating, feeding, and supporting this massive treasure hunting crew, and nothing to show for it because they're in the wrong spot. But that's okay. Today's the day. We're going to find it. And so they move to the location that they believe that they're supposed to be in. And after a while, he finds something. Today's the day, it's the three-year mark, and they find a 14-foot anchor. Two days later, a gold chain, and a few days later, two gold bars. Excitement. They have found something. They're on the right track. The only problem is that the government finds out. Now, he has his licenses. He has his permissions to be looking Four treasures in the water. Because of course, there's billions of dollars of treasure along the coast of Florida and hundreds of treasure seekers that are licensed by the state. But as soon as he finds something, the government comes to his door and gives him a few, column them stipulations. Um, he now has to have agents, government agents on his ships to make sure that they don't dip into the pot. Okay. Oh, you have to put insurance on each of these agents for being on your ships. Oh, okay. Oh, by the way, you have to pay their salary while they're on your ship. Oh, okay. Oh, by the way, they don't work the hours that you work. They're only going to work five hours a day, and they may be very inconvenient times. Okay. Oh, you have to pay for the lodging when they're not on your boats, by the way. Okay. Oh, and lastly, your ships are not up to code. So we need you to refit all these ships so that they're absolutely safe and up to code. Okay. So as you can imagine, Mel would be a little frustrated with all of these um, uh, additions that have been given to him by the government to look and find these, this treasure that he's looking for. While this is going on, the press is not kind to him. Uh, whether they're funded by competitors or other individuals, the, they are making them out to be Al Capone, uh, a, a gangster who is out for malicious gain and nothing more. Uh, some of his competitors slander him the quote experts are calling him a fraud and saying that the anchor the gold chain and the bars are all planted they're fakes he's a charlatan so mel just keeps looking today's the day we're gonna find it um after all of this you can imagine this is quite expensive he still hasn't found it yet and he has to sell his home so what does he do he moves his family into the houseboat museum. It is the only source of income that they have right now. And it's also the only thing that they have. Uh, over time, all but one of the original team quits him as they're searching for the Natosha de Shirosha. Five years. It has been five long years that he is searching and combing the waters. He finds three silver bars. Yay! We're on the right track again. Except the government steps in once again. And... Not only confiscates the three silver bars, but a certain Florida senator is driving away with the silver bars and gives him the bird as he drives. Just another little way of saying we appreciate your tax dollars. Uh, the press continues to say that he is a charlatan. These silver bars aren't real. They're not even from the same ship. Why are? Uh, would you listen to him? While this is going on, uh, his his boat sinks. The houseboat, remember? Uh, It's also his home office. And all of the stuff, it's retrievable, thankfully. He is able to get it out of the water. He is able to get his previous finds from other locations out of the water. Um, He's able to get all of the, the paperwork and business stuff that he's been working on out of the water. But as they're drying everything out with the hair dryers, guess what they hear? A big knock on the door. And it's the Federal Trade Commission. They're making sure that he's not doing anything shifty. They're worried about the people that have invested in him. And they're checking to make sure that everything's okay. Mel looks at them. You have to imagine him smiling and saying, go ahead. Look at all the papers that are completely soaked and damp. See what you can find. Well, long story short, they shut him down. And then they confiscate all of his previous fines from other unrelated treasure hunts. So he now has millions of dollars from his museum locked up in a government cell. The federal trade commission has shut him down. The press calls him less than nice things. And today's the day. Mel Fisher continues to stand up and say, today is the day. Now, before I continue with the story, I want to ask you listener, why would I share all this? If it ended here, why would we wanna tell a story that doesn't have some sort of finish. And my question for you is, what story is worth sharing? And is your story worth sharing? Moving back to the story of Mel Fisher and his competitors, they are still searching in the same areas that Mel Fisher is, even though they slander him online, they slander him in the newspapers, they slander him everywhere they go, they still think he's on the right track. Uh, Some of the competitors have firearms, And a couple of them even try to ram his ship while he's out looking. Um, 1974, this is all going on. A year later, something miraculous happens. Mel Fisher finds seven cannons. These are authenticated and documented by the historical community as being from the Atosha. They're on the right track. Now, it is at this point, the government, federal government that is, and the Florida state government decide to get involved. And they completely ban all private treasure hunting. They start hiring agents full-time to do nothing else than look for treasure. Oh, by the way, this only resulted in 12 agents, so keep that in mind. Uh, As they're looking for this, Mel sues them for the right to search for the Atosha. He argues that there's been hundreds of treasure searchers in this area, and there have been years of people looking for these different treasures. Uh, the government doesn't have the right to stop the private world from looking for these things, especially when they can only afford 12 of them. Uh, long story short, he ends up getting some stuff from the Sue uh, court case. So it's not all bad. Um, unfortunately, at this point, it, it doesn't necessarily go better from here. All of Mel's kids have grown up at this point. And not only that, his oldest son dies in a tragic boating accident while looking at this point. You can look at Mel and say, man, just stop. You've lost so much at this point. It hasn't been worth it. Just go to the side. Mel Fisher just kept saying, today's the day. They were on the verge of finding something else. And then one of his colleagues, a friend, betrayed him and took some of the treasure that they found. Mel was also then later diagnosed with cancer. After 17 years of continuously combing the waters on the coast of Florida, July 20th of 1985, it was over. They got a radio broadcast saying, put the maps away, we found her. 1,000 silver bars, four feet high and 25 feet long, still stacked as they were placed 300 years ago. 230,000 silver coins, 3,000 contraband coins, meaning that they weren't in the ship's um, uh, listing. They were stolen and smuggled by the sailors and officers of the ships. $400 million in both gold and silver, ultimately. 3,000 stones and emeralds, some of them as large as golf balls. All found. They found it, the Atosha. One of the interesting things about this is as Mel and his family are pulling up the treasure from this historic event, um, he was actually friends with Jimmy Buffett, who just happened to be in the area and was writing what would be his song Margaritaville. And one of the first and one of the first public displays of Margaritaville was on the ship next to the Atosha as it pulled up treasure. So success. Mel finally has what he was looking for. 19 years later, they are still pulling up treasure from that site. Today's the day. And that, my friends, is the story of Mel Fisher.
0: Man, thank you, Zach, for that. Uh, Hello and welcome to Couch Confessions. I hope you enjoyed that story. That is going to be our jumping off point for today. Uh, What a story. I was just like gasping the whole time, like, gosh, seventeen years. Um, I wanted to do a a, a story about perseverance, but I, I think we might change and just start to doing a story about how the federal government gets involved in everything and ruins every, <laughs> ruin everything for the the private citizen. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, I don't, Texas. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I don't know if we necessarily want to jump into that one, Jonathan, but um, one of the the things that's true in in Mel's story is that he he did serve in the armed forces. So uh, to say that he was not someone who uh, appreciated his country and what he fought for, I think that would be maybe a little too far of a jump. But um, as someone who had worked for a state government, I can definitely tell you that efficiency is very rarely a word that accurately describes the agency.
0: David, you know a little bit about that working uh, with some of the education side of things. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, bureaucracy um, bureaucracy does take over sometimes. Uh, I would add to this though also, um, he didn't just like steal any of this. he uh, he fought uh, the Supreme Court to keep all the belongings and uh, was granted complete ownership of all of all of what he found. So pretty cool there. Um, he fought in hundred and ten court battles.
0: Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I mean, just as, as, as slow as the courts are today, I couldn't imagine a hundred, a hundred and what, how many, how many? 110 cases overall. Dang, gosh. Yeah. Well, um, so, so a couple things really stand out, um, to me in that story. And I know there's, there's a few that, that we can spend a lot of time on, but, uh, one of the things that Early on, hit me was just his family, right? Um, man, like such perseverance from him, but then also to have that support of his family there—that uh, takes a—that takes a lot. Um, you got to really believe in something to just take and move your whole family and just change their whole way of life uh, for something like this. So that—that that was the first thing early on that really stuck out to me in, in that story was his family came along with him. Um,
1: I don't know it how seems, much of a
0: choice they had, but... <laughs> it seems as though they
1: uh, they really loved uh, hunting for treasure as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it became a family affair. It became a family event. Uh, all of the kids did grow up looking for this ship. And as they married and had kids of their own, they didn't leave the area. They all started adding to the the search. So uh, it definitely was a, a joined purpose. Uh, a singular cause, a focus for the family. Um, and I don't know if you wanted to jump into this, David or Jonathan, but I also think, you know, let me do like a, a hard left turn as far as how this applies to us as Christians. We all have a singular focus to go and make disciples. And mm-hmm. there, there's, you know, how it changes and it changes generationally. Uh, it might start with someone else and you might end up bearing the fruit of someone else's labor, I, I one of our professors at the university that all three of us went to used to say that you rarely get to enjoy the fruits of your own labor. It's probably growing on someone else's tree. Um, and I, I think that's something that is, is displayed here in the story as well.
0: For sure. Well, that I mean, there's a couple things to draw out of that. One is, um, I don't know, this is kind of meta here, just thinking like when we come planned for uh, – um, a recording. When we have a story, we might have um, points that we think we're going to talk about, but life is not that clean cut. And often there's a lot of things we can learn from from various situations. There's not just one thing we can learn. And so with that in mind, yeah, uh, you you know I think um, obviously I don't know Mel, I don't know Mel, but I I would wager to guess that. If he spent his whole life looking for it and then he passed away and one of his kids continued you know took up the torch and continued and one of his kids found that treasure i I I I'd wager to guess that he would be just as happy for that to be the case um, and and when it comes to our Christian walk, you're right we don't we don't always get to see the fruits of our labor sometimes it passes on to somebody else. Sometimes we just lay the foundation. And when you're looking at a story like this, obviously he was the one to lay the foundation and to reap the benefits. But um, I think we we often have to have that long-term mindset uh, at places that sometimes all we get to do in life is either lay the foundation or or continue the work uh, of somebody else that's gone before us. Um, we might not be the one to start and end the thing. Yeah.
2: yeah so, you know, to, to not really make a pun out of it, but it really relates, um, you know, Mel Fisher was a treasure hunter. So are we as believers, we're treasure hunters, um, but our treasures are not stored here on earth, right? Matthew 6, 19 through 21. We're uh, We're we're going after the treasure in heaven uh, where moths and vermin do not destroy it. Thieves don't break and try to steal it. So I, I went for the low fruit there, but I really think it's the, the high fruit,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and, and, and you know what else, David? I I even think that it's the other way around. You went for the high fruit. You went for the long-term what's in heaven because we are treasure hunters in the sense that What is a disciple? It is a person who's made in the image of God, which is the most beautiful thing on this world. Mm -hmm. We as Christians are called to go and meet someone else, find the value in that person, edify and encourage that person for who they are because they're beautiful, they're incredible. They can do something better than anyone else in the world. And God has declared that they are invited into the family, into Mm -hmm. the, the heir of Christ, should they choose?
2: Yeah, yeah, they're they're invited into that kingdom, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, I think
0: that, that's that's a, that's a great point. Um, yeah, that that's the treasure that we're working towards uh, ultimately. Um, well, let's go. Let's go back to this idea of of perseverance, though. Um, I mean, that's 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 some kind of 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 perseverance. Man, just all the regulations he had to right off the bat, after two years of searching when the, the, the government came in the first time. Uh, three years. So three he was years. looking
1: in the wrong spot for two years. At year three when he moved to the right location, he found something. And gotcha. that's when the government stepped gotcha. in. Gotcha. <laughs> well, with that... Land of the free and home of the brave or is it land of the <laughs> bee and home of the nave?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, man, I, I don't know. Like, you have to have some kind of level of commitment to see all that opposition and say, you know what, this is still worth it for me mm-hmm. to go after. Um, mm-hmm. This is still something that I'm going to take on that cost. Um, this goal that I'm I'm looking for is worth the cost of all of this. Because uh, I mean, financially it was a cost, but also just the the mental and emotional uh, cost, the tax, the tax that, that, that was, uh, of having to deal with all of that. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think, uh, I think this is, and again, I, Mel Fisher is gone now. I've, I never met him, but I've met uh, some people like him probably that I would say in life, um, you know, very highly competitive, uh, people. Um, and that's how Mel Fisher really comes across as he, he's competing um, if not with other treasure hunters, but with himself as well. It's a day-to-day type of competition uh where he thinks he can win, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh that's that's his mentality, it looks like. And for 17 years, that's how he lives, trying to find this, mm-hmm. find this treasure, right? So having confidence in ourselves, not misplaced confidence, of course. He was an army engineer, um, he was a diver, he had competency. In these things that he was doing this is not his first treasure hunt mm-hmm. he had been treasure hunting for years prior and had found other treasures before this so it was not misplaced confidence in himself and his crew and his family um, but it was a higher level it still stretched him greater than anything else had ever done um, but but that's all going back and in, in to other to other podcasts that we've talked about. You've got to be confident in what you're doing. And in fact, he in out of his competency uh, over the years when he when he actually made the discovery, he founded a new type of um, search. And I forget what the it's called the mailbox method. Yeah, it's called the mailbox method, and it's still uh, used today for searching treasure on the bottom of the ocean. So pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, they said he used his creative thinking, uh, coupled with his
1: problem solving method, to uh, to discover the mailbox method. So, mm. well, I love what you're saying there, David. Like when we're talking about confidence, because you know all of us have experienced people that have maybe confidence too far, right? We call that arrogance. Mm-hmm. Then we we've had other individuals that don't have enough confidence. We call them lacking the spine. Um, but I think you know for us as Christians. What is it that we have confidence in? Because as a believer, we don't trust in our own selves. We don't have confidence in our own heart because Jeremiah says it's desperately wicked who can know it, but we have confidence in the Holy Spirit that resides within us. And here, when Mel Fisher, you've already mentioned that he is a very accomplished individual. He's He obviously has the competence to be able to do what he's setting up to do, even though it will be a challenge. I love the fact that when he says, today's the day. Like in his mind, he wasn't not just going to compete. He'd already won. It mm-hmm. just hadn't happened yet. Today's the day we find it. 17 years later, he found it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, there, there's a few things to pull from that. I don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a, a weird little adage that, uh, it's like the man that, that sleeps with a knife in his bed is a fool every night except for one. You know, it's that. The, <laughs> eventually it's going to pan out, you know? And so like, I'm sure for him, like the man that says today's the day every day is, is is a full every day, except for one. Uh, And, and it comes from that, that confidence and that competency. And Mm -hmm. so us as believers, it's one of those things when we talk about like hope and joy as a follower of Christ, the world around us isn't, isn't necessarily a place where we can see the the most hope and joy. It's not. It's not abounding with reasons for that. Uh, now, if we go looking hard enough, we can find those things. But sometimes situations they just are what they are, and they're not very hopeful. They're not very joyful. But as believers, we're still called to to have that hope and have that joy, to to be thankful in every situation to live hopefully and 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 that's not a denying of the reality that we're in but it's claiming the victory that will be despite the situations we're in there is still victory there and so obviously it's different from us because we, we do know the end from the beginning. Um, Mel didn't know that he was going to find it. You know, this is, you know, looking at a, a secular thing uh, as opposed to a sacred thing, as, as, a, as a God thing, kind of a, th- you know, we know that Christ has the victory and that one day that will come to fruition. He didn't know that. But we can still pull that. We can still see some correlations there. Um, and even just just believing that, uh, you know, I'm sure there were days that it was going to be tough for him to actually say that, but saying those things got him out of bed. Saying "today is the day" got him out of bed and got him into his wetsuit and got him down in the water. So, I, I think there's 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 a lot that we can we can pull from um, from this too. It's just we've got perseverance, we've got hope, we've got competency. Um, we've got family involvement um with that that you know i want to kind of maybe touch on that a bit too because that's something we can also draw some other uh, parallels from is as as a believer um we we have to have other people around us i don't know if mel would have been able to to do what he did if it was just him i mm-hmm. think that having his family there was just as much about him like, um, actually getting through it as it was like, Hey, you know, you just have to come with me. But like, he needed them there. If, if, Mm -hmm. if his family would have said, no, we're staying behind. I don't think he would have been able to get through it. You know?
2: Yeah, no, he, uh, he Fisher had a partner, uh, Wagner and, uh, you know, just as much as you need family, you're right. We need a community of others um, that are like-minded, and um, and Fisher had his, and uh, and that's what we try to encourage our listeners to find. Right, is that community that they can they can form up together with. So, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah because it's one of those things where there there's a balance to be had where we we are called as individuals to do things and we are individuals in our talents and our gifts and we're like our expertise. So there is that individual component. Um, and most individuals, uh, what, what is the, what is the verbiage? Um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, really important because I don't, I don't know if we've actually said it here on the podcast, um, before and it just came to my mind as you were saying we we all have our individual uh, talents and, and skills um, and gifts uh, but those talents and gifts uh, don't really show if we're not with others we
0: mm-hmm. don't have an
2: opportunity to use them unless we're a community to use them so mm-hmm. i think mean, that's a key there
0: well this is all all great these are all really good Thoughts and ideas that we can get from this man's life, and and if if we're not careful, you know we're going to see all these various things, and and we're just going to get kind of get lost in all of it. Okay, well these were this is good, that's good. Okay, but what do I do? You know, wh- where where do I go from here? What what's kind of the the driving point of this? And and so Zach, I want to ask you, where does this all start? Where do Where's where's kind of one key thing that we can take from this guy's life to move forward, and and then incorporate some of these other ideas that we we touched on. Yeah, great question. So I, I think um, Mel's
1: perseverance is probably most clear um, in this story, but you can't have perseverance if you're not focused. Because uh, if you don't have something that you're looking at, then why would you keep persevering? You have to have that north star to keep your chart uh, on old seafaring maps, you had to have your North star to stay on target. Um, and for us believers, uh, Christ, he's the one that we were constantly focused to. Like if we're not in alignment with Christ, we're, we're off key. Um, so I think that hyper level of focus is something that we can really get into our own lives and realize, okay, what can we do to, to move ourselves forward? Because one of the things I forgot to mention in the story was as Mel was focused on finding the this, Satosha, this he found a couple other ships that were part of the same convoy. And the, the findings there helped continue the search for the Atosha, which they eventually found. So the, the principle there is that if you're incredibly focused on what you're trying to do, then other things will come into place. But if you get distracted by every little thing that comes your way, you're less likely to be effective in staying on target and getting the thing that you're reaching out for, which again, ask yourself what that is. But for us, we would say that part of the, that focus is to make disciples.
0: Right. And, and I'm sure, you know, that's, that's saying no to a lot of good things too, because those, those other things that he could have been distracted by, they weren't bad in and of themselves, but they were taking him off of his one clear focus. And, and that's true for us as believers too. There's a lot of good things that we can spend our time doing. There's a lot of great things we can spend our time with, but if we're not focused on the one good thing, uh, then, then we're never going to accomplish it. It doesn't matter how much perseverance we have uh, if we're getting distracted by all these other good things, uh, if it's not the one thing, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And uh, and it, for those of our listeners that like flowcharts, I uh, kind of graphed this out for us. Uh, focus leads to having community and goals within that community that then lead to failure, which foster perseverance. You can't have perseverance without some failure along the way. So uh,
0: it's just uh, something interesting to keep in mind. Uh, Mel
2: Fisher is a treasure hunter
0: and we are too. Yeah. so David, that's great. Uh, send that send that flowchart my way. I'll, I'll I'll post it on our, our Facebook page. Uh, nice. which by the way, you should go check out uh after some hard work uh Thomas and I finally well it's really Thomas I just beat my head up against the wall but Thomas got our blog up and running it's a little bit bare bones cuz he had to take it from the other site that it was on uh but we've got a blog up now to supplement our larger borderline heretics uh podcast if you wanted to go deeper with any of the topics we talk about and that's just the beginning i'm sure we're going to we're going to add a lot more Uh, David, you whipped up that flow chart while we were talking. Um, so, uh, so I mean, it's nothing in detail,
2: man. It's nothing in detail. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, but what could you do if you weren't also recording an episode? (laughs) Uh, Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Probably draw a
2: picture next to it. Yeah.
0: But we're, we're going to try and expand out into written media as well. Uh, so, um, you know you can stay up to date with all that on our Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram at BL Heretics. Uh, you can also email us uh, um, Borderline Heretics. No, uh, BL Heretics twenty one. Uh, no, that's not it either. <laughs> BLH Studios twenty one at Gmail. Gosh, it's been a while since I've plugged that email address. I forgot what it was. <laughs> You're confusing our listeners, Jonathan.
2: What's going on, man?
0: They can just go to the Facebook page, all the information's there. Yeah, there you go,
2: just go to the Facebook page.
0: Nice and easy. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, David, I think it's about that time.
2: Yeah, let's play those jams.